Hey everyone, welcome back to another beautiful Wednesday and tuning in to the Christian Apologist Podcast. We are so glad that you join us. If it's not too much to ask, after this is over, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, if you can give us a five-star rating, leave a comment. It just helps to get our podcast out there, helps to get us uh, noticed a little bit more by the public. And if you like our podcast, we're also on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And if you can go to those, like those, share those, subscribe to those, it would just be greatly appreciated. So today, what I've come to notice, and this is what I want to talk about today, is atheists. What I've come to notice is that most people who claim they're atheists, they're not actually atheists at all, but basically people who just hate God. So on this episode, I want to talk about one of the biggest claims atheists bring up on why they aren't Christians and also help fellow Christians learn how to defend this one claim that atheists always bring up. And the biggest argument that atheists like to use on why God's evil and they can't follow just such an evil God is because they say that God condones slavery in the Bible. Unfortunately, for many Christians... They don't know how to defend this. I mean, arguments like this usually just helps the Christians. They just keep their mouth shut and they walk away without saying anything. They just don't know what to say to it because they've read the verses in the Old Testament about slavery. And honestly, I believe that deep down, they're just like, you know, back then, that's just the way it was. So they leave it alone. But You know, we need to understand slavery of the Old Testament. We first must understand that, for one, slavery in the Old Testament days isn't the same race-baiting hate slavery that we think of in, in what we think of in more recent times in America. We also need to go back to the ancient Hebrew writings of the actual scripture and break down the word slavery. See, the word slavery, more times than not, used in the Old Testament is the word ebed. It's also pronounced eved. But ebed can mean slavery, but it also can mean indentured servitude. See, the word ebed is coherently related to work. Throughout the majority of the Old Testament, indentured servitude is the word intended by the ancient Hebrew writers. Now, what's the difference between servitude and slavery, you may ask? Well, slavery is unwanted, forced labor, often accompanied with abuse, neglect, and all the others. Servitude, on the other hand, is work designed to pay off a debt or an employee-slash-employment-type relationship. See, now during this podcast, I don't have time to go over every single time the word slave or slavery is mentioned in the Old Testament because there are literally over 30 times it is mentioned. So I'm just going to focus on the main arguments brought up by atheists. In the Old Testament, it does mention slave and slavery. We just have to deal with that. But as mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, slavery was a form of servitude. See, so basically, if you have a job now, you are a servant to your employer. I mean, that's exactly what it is. You have to do your job when you're told to do it and how to do it to get paid, don't you? So that is servitude. Now, if you don't have a job and you just live off the government, guess what? 
you're still a servant. You are a servant to the government. And you can ask, how is that? But you still have to go out and fill out paperwork, do appointments and all that other stuff just to get those benefits, right? So you too are a servant to the government. We are all servants, you know, if we work or if we don't work. And then we are either servants to God or we are servants to Satan. But we are servants no matter what. And I don't know why this is, but atheists love to point out that God approved the selling and trading of slaves. And of course, when someone hears that backed with scripture, such as in Leviticus 25, verse 44, when it says, as for your male and female slaves, whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. Now, first hearing this or seeing this, it might set you back a little bit and make you think about things. I mean, it really does. But when you replace the word slavery with servitude, like it was intended to be, and you think about any kind of professional sports team today, I mean, honestly, it really looks quite familiar, don't it? I mean, think about it. The NFL, NBA, the NHL, the MLB, they constantly trade players. They're trading people. They buy players. They buy them and put them under a contract, and they also sell these players. They sell people. There's really not a difference. In all honesty, if that offends you when the Bible says it, then maybe you should be offended by the sports as well. I mean, it happens all the time. But because today we use such words as employee or player instead of servitude, people just aren't offended by it. And I don't get it. It's the same thing. I mean, maybe it just sounds better to them, I guess. I don't know. Maybe y'all can send me emails or leave me some comments. Tell me something because maybe I'm missing it. I don't understand what the difference is, though. So maybe you can tell me what it is. Maybe it's just the word. I don't know. Another big claim by atheists is that God condones the beating of these slaves. And my first question to this is where? Where does God ever condone the beating of slaves? I haven't found one place yet, and I have read the Bible multiple times. I have studied it multiple times and for many years. And I look very, very hard for these types of accusations and, and to see if God condones things that you know people say he shouldn't be condoning. And I haven't found one. But what I do find is passages such as in Exodus chapter 21, verses 20 to 21, where it says, When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is to not be avenged, for the slave is his money. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, give a shout out to our sponsor. Stay tuned to the second half of this podcast. You will not want to miss it. Be back in two minutes. Hey, everyone. Thank you for sticking around through us with us through that little break real quick. Before we left off, we had just talked about the passage of Exodus 21, 20 through 21. And the last part of that, uh, those verses, it says, But if the slave survives a day or two after being struck by his master, he is not to be avenged if he lives, for the slave is his money. See, in 21st century words, it's saying if an employer kills his employee, the employer will be put to death. 
if the employer strikes the employee but doesn't die, neither shall the employer be put to death. Another is in Exodus 21, verses 26 through 27. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. I mean, honestly, that just sounds a lot like today again. Of an employer that hits his employee, the employee can quit, right? The employee can walk off. And he has to be compensated because he's going to sue. So no, nowhere in the Old Testament does God condone the beating of slaves. In fact, God actually speaks out against it in many, many places. Another form of slavery in the Old Testament was when a man owed money to another man and couldn't pay it back. The man would voluntarily become the man's slave slash indentured servitude servant to pay off his debt. See, God had rules for all of this. He made it clear that it didn't matter how much money was owed. The man would not serve more than six years, and after that, he would be set free. But in many cases, he would be set free with livestock and money so that he could prosper instead of falling back into that same predicament. Examples of this are found in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 12 through 15, where it says, If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is so to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. See, now when it's talking about, let me stop right there before we finish the verse. When it says sold to you, it's basically saying that the man sold himself to that man to pay off his debt. But we'll continue on with the verses. It says, And when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. But see, also in Exodus 21.2, I mean, did you know that many of these slaves enjoyed their jobs? And I mean, I, I hate to use the word slaves, but that's what the Bible says. They're slaves, but it's indentured servitude. And I mean, they actually enjoyed their jobs. In fact, they were loved like they were one of the family members so much that oftentimes at the end of their six years of working, they would choose to stay and continue working for that person. I mean, and this is backed up by Exodus 21, 5 through 6, when the slave says, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door of or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear ear through within all, and he shall be his slave forever. Now there are certain slaves who are not to be set free after six years. I mean these slaves were enemies of war and they were caught and held captive. And the reasons they were never set free was because, well, it's honestly it's the same reason we use today, is because they would raise up a rebellion. And that's what we do today. We just don't set them free in America. But these slaves were still not to be mistreated in any form or fashion. 
But what all Christians sooner or later have to face, and this is just a grim reality, is that the text like these have been used to justify even the most vile form of slavery, such as that which was common in the American South before the Civil War. But it's only by understanding the actual biblical text, the original language, and the literature used at that time and the cultures that produced them can we understand what is being referred to in the Bible. The stealing and selling of human beings, such as what's been common throughout human history, is a capital offense according to the Old Testament law. The return of fugitive slaves to their masters was also illegal. So that's nothing like the slavery we think about nowadays. In almost every instance, the kind of slavery governed by Old Testament laws was debt slavery, where an individual would offer labor in exchange for an outstanding debt that he could not pay or as a job so he could afford to provide for his family. The laws that govern such transactions were given to protect the rights of such slave, and like stated before, could only serve for a maximum of six years. Because of the socioeconomic situation of Old Testament Israel, God did allow slavery, but he allowed it for a simple purpose, to help the poor survive and for prisoners of war not to raise up a rebellion against the Israelites. That was its purpose. A person could sell himself into slavery, a.k.a. indentured servitude, in order to pay off debt or just to provide a basic living for his family. God did not intend for Israel to have poverty. Deuteronomy 15.4 tells us this. But sin made it inevitable, shown in Deuteronomy 15.5. And God allowed slavery to deal with that reality at that time. The Old Testament recognized several different types of slaves or slavery depending on their circumstances. But none of them corresponded with modern chattel slaves or slavery at all. But unfortunately, people used many of these verses out of context to bring about things for their own personal gain, power, and satisfaction. But it is not biblical. It wasn't God-blessed. It wasn't in the Bible saying this is what we should do. The Bible being the Word of God is perfect. Now, the way people misuse, mistranslate, and twist the Scripture Now, that's not a fault of God, but of man and woman who twist the scripture and take out of context certain verses just to bring about their own personal satisfaction or needs. I just really hope that this solves up some of the issues for slavery in the Bible. Um, Hopefully, some uh, Christians can use this to help them better defend God when the subject arises and for those who aren't Christians. But all in all, I just hope this really clears some things up. God is not for slavery. He never was for slavery. I mean, seriously, I mean, without me trying to sound rude or or just being arrogant, I guess, maybe. I mean, how much sense does it make that look what God did to Pharaoh because Pharaoh would not let God's 
people go. The Israelites go from Egypt, and they were being enslaved and beaten and mistreated and malnourished and all kinds of things, and they were forced into being slaves. God did not like that, and look what he did to Pharaoh in Egypt at that time. So why would you think that now, out of nowhere, after that happens, God's going to come along and say, okay, Israelites, now I want you to be the masters and everyone's going to be your slave. That's not what's being done here. That's not what's being said here. God did things for a reason. And honestly, we still live by those rules and laws even to this day. Except for now, we just don't use the word slave. We don't use the word servitude anymore. We call it employer-employee. We call them uh, players and team owners. I mean, but it's the same thing, and it's the same rules. But I really hope this clears things up. If uh, Once again, if anybody has any questions, comments, um, hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Hey, can you give me a little bit more information? Anything, send me an email. It's richard at thechristianapologist.com. I will respond if I can. Most of the time I will. Um, I'll try to get it done in a timely manner. But you all have a blessed rest of the week. And God bless.